podcast is brought to you by CEW Plus at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor as we work to serve our community during this unprecedented time of change. Resiliency is best demonstrated in times of challenges. Join CEW Plus Director Tiffany Mara as she talks to students, staff, faculty, and community members connected to the University of Michigan's Center for the Education of Women Plus in our podcast, Strength in the Midst of Change. All right, today's podcast features Christine Agpasa, who is an undergraduate student in the College of Engineering. Christine is a 2020 recipient of the Irma M. Wyman CEW Scholarship, recognizing outstanding women and underserved students in engineering, computer science, and related fields. Christine, welcome to the Strength in the Midst of Change podcast. Can you please introduce yourself and tell me a bit about your educational focus and career goals? Yes. Hi, guys. My name is Christine Agpasa, and I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I'm a short Filipino-American sophomore undecided in the College of Engineering at the University of Michigan Ann Arbor. I'll actually most likely be majoring in chemical engineering with a focus in environmental engineering, and I am currently a peer mentor to incoming freshman and sophomore leader in the Women in Science and Engineering Residential Program, WISRP. Currently, I'm also serving as co-external chair for FOSA Filipino, Philippine X American Student Association. And in the future, I plan to work in industry and or do research. Definitely would love to help improve how we as a society use engineering and be an advocate for sustainable development. Additionally, I know for a fact I want to work with a nonprofit or just work with a company to help under-resourced and lower socioeconomic communities get the resources they need as well do all I can to guide them to a path of success as a mentor, encouraging them to pursue higher education and maybe the field of STEM. One of my life goals is actually to encourage as many girls as I can to pursue a career in STEM, especially engineering, because majority of the field is male. And I believe it's so important to have more female voices in the field because engineers are the ones who build and design the world we live in today. So how can you effectively meet the needs of those you do not even let join the process and provide input, you know? I am actually actively pursuing this goal as I'm currently assisting in research for the gamification of diversity training in STEM as well. What does that mean, gamification of diversification of STEM? Like, what types of things are you working on? Well, currently right now, we're just working on a pilot study mostly. So we're finalizing how the game works. And right now, because of COVID, I was in charge of, like, moving everything online. We didn't actually get to start collecting data and having participants play the game yet. But hopefully this year, that can start happening. The game is mostly a tool used to help mentors get into the mindset of their peers and their mentees who they will work with and influence in the workspace. And it just helps them figure out or just have a better understanding of the people they're working with who may have uh, different backgrounds than them growing up in different communities, different socioeconomic status, those kinds of things, and just help them understand and how to process and how to aid when certain situations happen that may affect certain communities more than others. 
Mm -hmm. That's very important work, especially nowadays when society is just so divided. How did you decide on chemical Mm -hmm. engineering? I decided on chemical engineering mostly because I like chemistry, and I learned that chemical engineering isn't really chemistry, but I still am pursuing chemical engineering because it focuses on processes, and there is more chemistry than physics involved, which is why I'm not doing mechanical engineering or environment. Mostly, I'm doing chemical engineering with a focus on environmental engineering because I like the chemical side of engineering. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You know, you're doing a ton right now. It sounds like you're involved in WISE, you're doing DEI work, you're developing new tools to promote DEI and understanding of others and empathy. You know, when you look back over all of your accomplishments to date and your path to get to where you're at today, you know, what are some time points that you're really proud of? This is actually a really interesting question for me because the points when I was disappointed or really stressed out came up first for me in my memories. And now that I think about it, it's so weird because I feel like so often we only talk and focus about the proud accomplishments we've had without acknowledging the many failures or disappointing moments we had leading up to them, you know, like the struggle. But going back to your question, I guess the first point that I'm really proud of is learning how to recognize when I didn't believe in myself and learning how to do that when I found out which high school I got into in Chicago. The way the public high school system works there is that there's a few selective enrollment schools, which are some of the top schools in Illinois, that middle school students have to test into. And at the time, I listed the schools of how they were ranked online. And Lane Tech, my high school, was number four or five at the time. So when I got my test results back, and you get your high school letter of acceptance at the same time and when I opened it I vividly remember being so disappointed in myself because I expected to get into the number one top ranked high school my brother was at this high school my entire school thought I would get it like all my teachers and I was really sad at the time because getting the results back I think was a confirmation that I didn't believe in myself when I went to take the test initially. And that's why I did so bad. And I was just nervous and I felt really sad. I cried, wiped my tears, and just knew that this isn't where this story would end with the situation. So I started actually writing a letter to the dean of the top ranked high school to start the process of principal's discretion. But I still didn't get into that school and ended up going Lane, which turned out to be actually one of the best things that happened to me. The second fine point that I'm really proud of is learning to have the courage to apply to things. In one of my classes, actually my chemistry high school class, the teacher had a board, a bulletin board, at the front of the class, and she would put up opportunities that were happening at the school or outside the school related to chemistry or just science in general. And when I saw a flyer for a woman in science engineering program just to learn even what engineering is, I applied to it and it needed recommendation letters. And that was the first time, I guess, in high school that I asked a teacher for a recommendation letter. 
And I just applied and I got it. And that's how I learned about engineering. And that started me on the path of professional development and down this path of purely STEM, which I'm so happy and glad that I learned about. And it all started because I said I was going to apply to this thing, even though I didn't know if I would get it, but I did. And then all this stuff that I'm at in this point in my life are just because I had the courage to do this one thing. And it was just to begin to apply to things that even though I may or may not be qualified for, I still did it. I guess the third time that I was really proud of myself would be the first time I took the initiative to search for opportunities outside of my school and my org. So basically, besides that time in high school, that was the first time I even thought there were things outside that was happening of my school or outside the community because I was stuck mostly in my neighborhood and the part of the city that was my high school. So when I went online and just found more opportunities and applications and programs, I was so surprised to see how many there were, especially targeting like my demographic of at the time, like high school students. And there's so many programs out there to teach you things about the world. Like here's some science programs, get to know what science is or what engineering is, or here are some jobs that you can apply even as a 15 year old that might help you in the future. And it was a really great thing to see that many programs and support towards youth. It just helped me so much to get to where I am today. Mm -hmm. Sounds like taking risks and applying to things and challenging yourself to push out of your comfort zone is something that it's challenging, but once you do it, you find it pretty rewarding. I love your point about how, you know, we never talk about the challenges. We're always talking about what we're proud of. It's an interesting balance between the two. In my own life, you know, the moments I am most proud of are the ones when I felt most stressed or most challenged in whatever I was trying to accomplish or do or just get through. You know, right now, we're all in this challenging period with COVID. You know, what types of things are you doing self-care-wise to help you get through this period? Self-care-wise, I'm trying to keep as much contact with my friends and family as I can. Since I'm an officer in the Filipino org that I'm in, I have a little clue as to how my semester will look like because we plan the semester events during the summer. So... I'm actually really excited to be hosting and to be a person who welcomes new members, especially freshmen, into the community. And self-care-wise, that's a lot of my self-care. Even though, like, it is a lot of work, I enjoy uplifting members and showing them you have so much opportunity and just inviting them into the circle and showing how much your cultural aspect and how much healing it could be and just to be around people who grew up kind of the same way as you as Filipino Americans so that's some of my self-care another part of my self-care I guess would be eating more vegetables eating more fruit than normal I think it's important to keep your immune system up at this time 
as well as going outside, even though it's starting to get colder. But being outside when you're not doing schoolwork or taking a walk when you're on a call with someone, I did that the other day and it was especially nice because normally when you're taking calls, you're inside. But since you're staying inside for a really long time with schoolwork or doing other things, going outside once in a while for a walk while like talking to someone is helpful. Well, for sure. The outdoors has become my place of solace the past six months, whether it's just going out, walking the streets or camping or anything else, because uh, it feels like the safest place where we can interact with others. It's kind of interesting to hear your first part about self-care, which is helping other students as they're joining the community and getting them involved, because it seems like you're almost giving back based on what you said about your high school experience. Mm-hmm. When you initially found out that you were selected as an Irma M. Wyman scholarship recipient, what was your initial reaction? Honestly, I was shocked. I didn't think I would get it because I already had a four-year full tuition scholarship from the Posse Foundation. But since it only covers tuition and I didn't get full financial support from the university to cover all my housing expenses, I've applied to multiple other scholarships and didn't get them. So I'm so, so grateful to have been awarded the CEW's Wyman Scholarship. It really helps with expenses and especially on top of like my family's bills. I have a fairly big family, two brothers, and my grandparents are currently living with us. So there's a lot of medical bills and all that. Oh, yeah. Irma, I'm sure, is cheering from above right now, just in how you talked about wanting to diversify the field and support others, because that was her goal with the scholarship, was to support people who had that interest. So that's Mm -hmm. amazing, you know, that we found such a good match for the scholarship. You know, what are your hopes for the upcoming year? My number one goal for this upcoming year is getting my time management down to a path. Well, not down to a path, but as close as I can. Because as you can tell from what I've spoken about, I am quite involved. And I have a lot of things going on. But I still want to do good in my academics. That's my number one like top priority is school. But besides that, and besides the extracurriculars I'm in and doing research and work, I think it's possible to do as many things as you can, but there needs to be a balance. And Google Calendar has really helped in my schedule out everything I need to do. That's my number one goal of hope for this year, that my time management improves immensely. And it's just an ongoing process. I guess my second hope, one of my hopes, is that the incoming freshmen that I am currently mentoring have a good experience despite COVID kind of taking up their freshman year or greatly altering their freshman year experience. I have two mentees currently in the dorms. I'm not in the dorms, by the way. I'm in an apartment in Ann Arbor on North Campus, but my mentees are in Mojo currently and two of them, the other was remote. So I need to find a proper balance in juggling the needs of my mentees who are on campus and my mentee who is virtual and making sure they feel they are 
receiving the support that they need. And when there's stress, I really hope I am able to help guide them out of that or at least help them handle that on their own. Because this is the first time that they're on their own as freshmen. And it's very hard as it is to be away from family for the first time. And I know how that feels because I'm out of state. So I just want them to have as great of an experience as they would have without COVID. Yeah, now, you know, COVID period, we're all on Zoom so much, like you mentioned before. What strategies are you using to make them feel a part of the community? And this is across the organizations that you're serving as a mentor that you're doing this. Like, how are you creating that sense of community for new students? Yeah, so number one, I want them to feel supported. So I try to make myself available as much as I can, get back to them with texts or emails if they need me. And I kind of like assess what they needed from me and what I needed from them. We went through expectations in the very, very beginning for each of us and what we would need from each other. So I could plan out my semester. So I have meetings with them that are bi-weekly or monthly, depending, or weekly, and however long is determined by them. And how I connect them to the community is, since I am one of 30-ish peer mentors, I don't remember exactly, but we have our own group chat and we just talk through there, helping each other out. And when we feel that the community, our YRP community, feels disconnected, we talk about that and we try our best to help them connect with each other as much as we can. And that would include spontaneous game nights or eating dinner through Zoom and just a lot of I, My roommate and I, who is also a peer mentor, we hosted a Kahoot game night where the mentees had to send us like 10 fun facts about themselves. It might be hard to think of fun facts about yourself, but you just really get the ones that are just obvious and funny. Like, I like smooth peanut butter on whole wheat bread. Like, that's a fact about yourself that can count as your one of 10 fun facts. Mm -hmm. So facts like those in the Kahoot were really fun because it was like a really good introduction, I think, for the mentees of my peer mentors, mentees, and my mentees, like communicating with each other and sharing their stories and experiences from this one sentence. Like, oh, you like smooth peanut butter on whole wheat bread? I actually like crunchy peanut butter on white bread. That's better. And then they start having this conversation over peanut butter. Uh-huh. Oh, that's fun. Kahoot, does it generate like a trivia game out of all of the responses? Yes. So Kahoot is one of the more common online games that you input questions and answers in, and it's multiple choice. And Kahoot itself is pretty iconic, I would say, among my generation. I was introduced to it in high school, I believe, and that's why I think a lot of people know what it is. It's often used in classrooms for, like, a quick, fun quiz. So when we changed it to, like, tailor it to ourselves, I thought it was a comforting thing to hear the iconic music that comes with the game 
while we're waiting for people to buzz in their answers. Uh, so a little bit of nostalgia. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. I'm going to have to look into that because I've been trying to think of, this is a great idea with staff to just keep everybody feeling connected. It's such a challenge mm-hmm. right now and Zoom is so dry after, you know, months of doing this. So I'm definitely going to mm-hmm. look into this and see what I can put together. You know, mm-hmm. what is one thing you wish you could tell all your peers? So the mentees that you're coaching, you know, obviously they get to benefit from you. Any words of advice for other students on campus? Yes. So with COVID and the news highlighting so much social injustice that actually occurs quite often, I think this time period is going to be a really reflective time for all of us. And it's important to just take the time for yourself to acknowledge and know that it's okay to have those stressful moments or sometimes it's good to just cry it out but after that you just remember that the good things are coming and you can make the good things come faster by just doing what you're doing and just persevering I guess through whatever it is you are dealing with right now and then just know that you have a support system, even though you don't think you do. And if you don't think you do, you can make one. You can reach out. That's all you have to do. All you have to do is reach out and someone will get back to you and would be happy to help you through whatever you're doing. Yeah, are there any particular resources on campus you found that are good for reaching out that other students might benefit from? To be honest, mostly I've been leaning on my community's YSRP, FASA, and Posse. But in terms of campus resources, I know CAPS is available, even though sometimes I know there's a lot of people who go to CAPS, so they can get backed up sometimes. But I've heard from a mentor that if you need like serious or you think you need immediate help you can ask a professor and the professor who is a mandated reporter can help you speed up the process to get an appointment through CAPS. Mm -hmm. Yep that's great advice. Christine anything else you'd like to share? Thank you so much for letting me be on this podcast and I really hope that my story or something I said has helped someone who is listening. I really hope I helped someone. Yeah, Christine, I have no doubt that people are going to take away a lot from your very articulate podcast that you've shared with me. Thank you so much for taking part in this. And I look forward to, at some point, meeting you in person through a CEW event. That'll be a good Mm -hmm. day when that can happen. Yeah, it will be. Thank you for listening to CEW's podcast, Strength in the Midst of Change. To learn more about this episode or the services and virtual programming offered by CEW+, please visit cew.umich.edu. Here at CEW+, we navigate circumstantial barriers by providing academic, financial, and professional support to help you reach your personal potential. 
Established to support women through higher education, we lift up women and all underserved communities at the University of Michigan and beyond. Through career and education counseling, funding, workshops, events, and a diverse, welcoming community, we exist to empower. We are CEW Plus, and we are here to help you reach your potential. The University of Michigan resides on the traditional territories of the three fires peoples, the Ojibwa, Adawa, and Potawatomi. 